Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two under two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere, so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. Today, Officially, we are on our fifth episode. I decided it was time to tell you about my hosting journey, give you the whole background of how I got started in this, why I'm so passionate about Airbnb, sort of what my whole hosting structure has looked like. And not just that, I am also going to tell you within my hosting journey the four lessons that I wish I had learned sooner. So stay tuned, listen through my journey. Within that, I'm going to weave in these lessons that I have taken away, things that I wish that somebody had told me in the early days. I don't think that Airbnb coaches were a thing when I started. I could be wrong. Maybe they were, and I just wasn't paying attention, but I am here now. So take advantage of the fact that I can tell you what mistakes to avoid, okay? So let's jump into this. I'm going to tell you everything about how I got started and again, the four lessons that I learned along the way that I wish I didn't have to learn for myself. So I always joke that my Airbnb career started completely by accident. My parents had a second home, a vacation home in Big Bear Lake, California. If you're not familiar with the area, it is a ski resort town in Southern California. It's about 90 minutes to two hours away from LA, OC, San Diego. Our peak seasons are winter and summer. We also have a lake, so we do really well during summers, not just the winter season. Our slow months of the year would probably be like April through end of May, we pick up right at Memorial Day, and then October through like up till Thanksgiving, end of November. So that's a little bit about the town. The reason that my parents purchased property up there was uh, it was back in 2011. So that would have been the year that I was graduating high school. And leading up to that point, um, my dad was an avid skier his whole life. My parents grew up in Poland. And so my dad, there's, you know, obviously colder weather there. So my dad and mom both grew up avidly skiing. My mom doesn't anymore. Actually in her early twenties, I think she suffered a fall from a ski accident and shattered her femur. She was on bed rest for like six months and had to do probably like a year of rehabilitation after that. So understandably, she does not ski anymore. I would never either. But my dad stuck with the sport. He loves skiing, follows the sport really closely. And in 2007, I believe, my dad decided to become a ski instructor at Bear Mountain, which is one of the resorts up in Big Bear. The whole reason he did this is because when you're a ski instructor there, you're able to get a free season pass. At that time, I think they've changed it now, but at that time, you literally only had to teach like one or two ski classes per week, um, and then you'd get to ski unlimited. So my dad would drive up Saturday morning, super early, teach like one of the first Saturday classes, and then just ski the rest of the weekend for free. And then in 2009, which would have been my sophomore or junior year of high school, something like that, I joined him and also became a ski instructor. I was a children's ski instructor, French fries, pizza, few ski, you know what I'm talking about. That was my jam right there, French fries and pizza. I taught everybody that. Um, So I became a children's ski instructor and we did that for a few more years. And every weekend, my dad and I would go up 
and we would just stay either at a friend's cabin, at the Motel 6 up there. We did not use Airbnb. I don't know why. It just never really occurred to me. Maybe Airbnb wasn't as big in Big Bear at the time because I'm trying to think like why we would have never stayed at Airbnbs. But regardless, we would stay at friend's cabins or Motel 6s. And finally, in 2011, my parents bought a condo there. You guys are going to kill me when you hear how much they bought this for. It was a short sale back in 2011. They bought this place for $84,000. It just kills me. To buy a two-bed, two-bath lakefront condo in California for $84,000, like... Oh, those were the days, right? Anyway, so they bought that property and we used the heck out of that thing for six years. Our family went up constantly. We made such great use out of that property and really, really loved it. My mom had so much fun designing it and everything and it was it was great. Anyway, in about yeah, 2017, at that point, my sister and I were, you know, I had graduated college. She was off at UCLA. Like, we just weren't using it as much. We were all grown up. And at that point, I just had this itch. I don't know how else to explain it, but I just had this feeling of like, let's put it on Airbnb and see what happens. Originally, I only wanted to list the condo for one week the week between Christmas and New Year's because I was seeing that other places were booking and I just had this feeling that, you know, we would make a killing that week. It's so crowded up there that week too that I was like, we don't even enjoy being here during the week between Christmas and New Year's. Like, let's put it up and just see what happens, make some extra money. It took a little bit of convincing. My parents were not stoked at the idea of strangers sleeping in their prized possession in this home that they had loved and used for so long, but I did get them on board probably around like Thanksgiving of 2017. And look, this place was already functioning. Like we had used it for six years already. And I truly underestimated how much work it would take to get it ready for Airbnb. Like there wasn't any remodeling that needed to be done, but we had so much of our personal stuff in there that we had to clear out. And any of you who have listed a place, you know, it's just the details that add up. Like, oh my gosh, we have to have like a welcome book and put instructions for things and how are guests going to get the keys and check in and who's going to be cleaning the place and just like the amount of detail that goes into officially setting up a place. Anyway, long story short, by the time all of that was done, I feel like we all were unspokenly on the same page that, okay, we're definitely going to be renting this more than just the one week between Christmas and New Year's. Like that was way too much effort for just one week, but whatever, let's just start with that one week and see how it goes. So I listed the property on probably like December 20th, I think is officially when like everything was cleared out. We got our pictures taken. I made the Airbnb listing hit publish. We got our first booking within 45 minutes and it was a $2,500 booking, $500 a night for five nights. Needless to say, we were absolutely stoked about that, especially considering the mortgage of this place. Like I said, my parents bought it as a short sale for $84,000. Like this, I mean, $2,500 for five nights was insane considering return on investment. This wasn't even purchased as a investment property. It was genuinely for us to enjoy as a family. So that just blew our minds. So obviously from that point forward, my parents were like, okay, we're definitely going to continue renting this through the end of ski season, which is until about March 31st. So from there, like we just ran with it. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was corresponding with guests. We hadn't even hired a cleaner because we just really were so like rushed to get it ready by that week of Christmas to New Year's that we, you know, this was totally like bootstrapped operation. Like me and my mom just cleaning everything, getting it ready, taking the photos, making the listing. And then all of a sudden when it was booking, it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like we're going to need to clean the place. So me and my mom were driving up the 90 minute, two hour drive every few days to clean in between guests. Because of that, I'm pretty sure that I had like a three night minimum at the time. And that right there is going to be the first lesson that I feel like I learned the hard way. 
I so wish that we had hired a cleaner sooner. In my defense, we didn't know what this operation was going to be. We didn't realize how quickly it would take off, but I really do wish we had hired a cleaner sooner because there were times during this ski season when it was full on snowing and me and my mom were in so much traffic with our snow chains on, freaking out that we weren't going to make it to the Airbnb on time to clean it for guests who were checking in the same day. It was so overwhelming and at the end of the day, it was just totally unnecessary stress. In the end, we did hire a cleaner. We went through that winter season still with it being just my mom and I who were cleaning, but I think we ended up hiring a cleaner officially before like Memorial Day. So before the next peak summer season would start in our area. I'm so glad we did. And to this day, like Yes, I fully acknowledge that there are frustrations you'll have with your cleaner and there's always that feeling of like, I could have done this better. I'm telling you, let that go. That's the first lesson that we learned the hard way. Having a cleaner is finally what allowed us to like focus on growing and expanding the business in other ways. And here's what I mean. Because we had hired that cleaner in around Memorial Day before our peak season started, we were able to sit back down the mountain and not have to stress about it. And that is what led us to purchasing the second property and officially expanding the business. So in June or so of 2018, we had now been successfully renting for about six months Another condo in the same complex went for sale. And at that point, we decided like, hey, we are seeing that this is a viable business opportunity. Let's jump in and buy that one. This thing was a total fixer upper. It was, I mean, it was livable. There had actually been a long-term tenant at the time, but she was moving out. So the owners, instead of wanting to find a new renter, they just put it on the market. Again, it was livable, but just to paint a picture for you, that previous tenant, that long-term renter, she had been there for, I don't know, at least five years, I think, and she had like four cats. I mean, just imagine the smell for a moment, okay? Not to disparage any cat owners out there. I'm actually totally a cat person, but four cats in a, you know, little two-bed condo living there in the mountains where during winter months they're not allowed to leave, okay? The the urine smell in this place, like just imagine for a moment, it was like seeped into the walls, this urine smell. It was horrific. Nonetheless, we took this on. This is just, I love this condo so much, what we did with it. And this condo is just my dreamy Joanna Gaines HGTV modern farmhouse with a cabin twist. I love this condo so much. I forever will. And this was our like blood, sweat, and tears that went into this project. My dad did all of the construction. I was in charge of the design and I did a lot of the construction too. I have to give myself some credit. I did so much work. I full on learned how to do plumbing on this condo. Um, We put together all the kitchen cabinets. Um, What else? We put together the bathroom vanities. I learned how to install toilets with this one. P.S. Side note, you guys, do not ever pay a plumber to install your toilets easiest installation ever. It literally takes less than 10 minutes. And I think that all the quotes we got from plumbers was like $350 per toilet. Do not ever, ever, ever pay someone to install a toilet. Find a YouTube video. I promise if you are the tiniest bit handy, you can do this yourself. We put in all of the shower fixings, did all the plumbing. We did um, we did outsource electrical, I will say, because we just didn't want to deal with possible electrical fires in the future. We also outsourced, of course, the counter installation because we're not going to be cutting granite and installing that. And we also hired someone to do the tile. But besides that, we did the kitchen cabinets, the bathrooms, the um, gosh, we scraped the ceilings. We put in the faux beams that we did. We put in the lighting. Like, oh my gosh, we did everything on this place. And it is so beautiful. I love this property so much. Anyway, in the process of renovating this one, my dad and I were basically living in Big Bear working on this project. While that was going on, we were still renting out the first one, managing the rentals on that, and getting our five-star reviews, making money. We were booked out pretty well. So during that time, 
a couple other owners who had purchased in this condo complex. They were interested in doing Airbnb. I think that they were scoping the platform for their competition and just saw that we were doing really well with our listing that was right there. So they approached my dad and I about possibly taking on their places and managing them. So that is how I got into co-hosting and managing for other owners. Like I said at the beginning of this, I really do like to joke that my Airbnb journey started on accident. Here's another example. I never pursued management. I did not even have that on my radar of running places for other people. They approached me. It was totally organic and I'm so happy that they did and that they took a chance on me uh, because that has now expanded into me managing eight properties total. We're actually in the process of signing on five more condos right now. So it's been a pretty quick growth, but yeah, I've loved it so much. I really do love managing for other owners. This is going to lead me into the second lesson that I had to learn the hard way though, and that was do not give out discounts. Now, what happened here was we were booking that first condo originally pretty well. We were happy with it. Like I said, that first place that we had, it was never even intended to be an investment property. So from our point of view, anything we made on it was making us happy. Once I started managing for other owners, I felt this super immense pressure to have them booked out constantly at whatever cost. So when people started asking for discounts, I was like, yes, absolutely. Whatever gets you to book, here's a discount. Yes, we'll waive the cleaning fee. Take it. And very quickly, I learned that guests who get discounts are the worst guests. It's like... Uh, it just the, the correlation. If you guys were to plot quality of how the guest leaves the property and the discount they got, you could plot it in just a perfect line. The the correlation here undeniable. Guests who get discounts are always the worst. It's so frustrating and so disappointing because I I've been there. I was tempted, not just tempted, I did give so many discounts out in these early days because I just felt this pressure to be booked constantly and impress these owners and hey, you know, what's waving 50 bucks if it gets us a $500 reservation? I'll take it. Please, please, please trust me on this. Do not offer discounts. Guests who ask for discounts, it is an instant red flag that they do not value you or the property or the price that you've put on it. I do have a few exceptions to this. For example, I do give out military discounts and a few other things, and maybe I'll do a future episode. Actually, for sure, I'll do a future episode on the whole mentality surrounding discounts, but just to tell you right now, don't offer them. It's not worth the reservation. Guests will probably still book your place. It's not worth getting those ones in there that don't value the home. Trust me on this. That right there is going to lead me into lesson number three, and that is have more confidence in your place. Because once I stopped allowing discounts, there was definitely some fear there of, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Is this really the right policy to adopt to just say across the board, like no more discounts for guests who ask? You know, they were booking, so maybe it was worth it to deal with a little bit more mess because I was still getting reservations. No, have confidence in your place. People are going to book it anyway. Somehow, I don't know, the Airbnb gods have always pulled through for me and we're booked. I will tell you, when we first started with that very first listing that was the family vacation home, I, I was not very confident or optimistic in how well it would do. My thought was that if people are coming to a cabin town, to a ski resort town, they want to stay in a cabin. They want the A-frame experience. They want the cute cabin. They want the big wooden deck with views of the slopes. People aren't going to be coming and wanting to stay in a condo. I really did not think we would do that well. In the end, we've absolutely crushed it, and I just laugh at how I had that fear because there's something different for everybody. I didn't realize how many people would intentionally book us because we are a condo. For a lot of people who have never traveled to the snow before, it's kind of nerve-wracking the thought of just booking a cabin in the middle of the woods and not really having any neighbors nearby, not knowing how to shovel the driveway or deal with stuff. And for a lot of people, being in a condo complex gives them just a lot of a really good sense of security that the grounds are going to be maintained and it just feels like you're in closer contact with people. 
Also, our location puts us right at the lake. And so I should have realized, but, you know, hey, just because we're in a ski resort town and we're not necessarily by the slopes doesn't mean we don't have something else super valuable to offer. Also, being in a condo complex, it gives us a pool and we have a hot tub that's maintained for us, which I really appreciate because, as I'll talk about later on in this same episode, sometimes getting a hot tub is a very costly decision and a lot of work to maintain. We have one that our HOA maintains for us. So in the end, I wish that I had had earlier on more confidence just in our property to begin with. I really wonder to this day if I wouldn't have started doing Airbnb maybe a year or two earlier if I had felt that people would be drawn to a condo. I think maybe subconsciously, I just always thought that for a ski resort town, our property wasn't going to be that attractive. And I wonder in hindsight, if listing it sooner, uh, if I would have been more open to that, if I had known. So if any of you are sitting there right now and you've been wanting to do Airbnb, but you've been telling yourself like, no, no one's really going to like our space. It's in an awkward location or has a weird layout. Just try it. And I I really feel confident you'll be pleasantly surprised. That's what I hear from hosts time after time, uh, that people usually end up making more than they projected. Just try it. It doesn't hurt to try. And if it doesn't work out, then take it back as a personal vacation home, put a long-term renter in there, or just flip it and sell it. But there's no harm in just trying to put it on Airbnb and having some confidence in the listing. So that takes us into, gosh, where are we now? This is a very long drawn out journey, like I said, because there was nothing intentional about it. Everything just happened honestly by accident and very organically. But finally, last year, 2021 is the year that I realized, okay, I was married at this point. I convinced my husband like, hey, we're going to buy property now and we're going to we're going to jump in on this cuz up till now I was only taking a commission from my parents' rentals and from the other owners that I was co-hosting for. So officially 2021 is the year that my husband and I bought property in that same condo complex. Actually, the place that we ended up purchasing, I had had my eyes on this particular condo for years, even before we did our first Airbnb. I This place was just a train wreck. There had been a series of chain smokers in there. So there was somebody renting it for like three years straight and she was this chain smoking grandma. After her, there was some like hippies that moved in that smoked so much weed in that property. And then after them, there was some family that had a hookah going all the time. It just had layers of years of different types of smoke like baked into the walls and the ground and everything. Finally, in like 2019, I want to say, the property had flooded and basically the owners never got it repaired. So there were no renters in there at that time for about two years, probably. So it had flooded. It was basically abandoned. It had black mold in there. It was a nightmare, but I had loved this property for so long and I just saw so much potential with it. And there was like three different times that someone had put an offer on it. And I remember every time feeling heartbroken and they always fell through. And there was just always something in the back of my head that I was like, I'm going to own that property one day. I just know it. Finally, April 2021, or it would have been February 2021 because April 30th is when we closed escrow. Finally, it was time. I had gotten my husband on board. We had enough money to do it. It was on the market. The previous offer had just fallen through. So we went for it. We purchased it. And again, train wreck. It was, you know, all, all the years of smoke on those walls, previously flooded, uh, black mold in there. And I think my husband definitely thought I was nuts, but he stuck by and I just told him like, we will make this property magical. Just please trust me. So we ended up getting it. This was the most insane home purchasing process ever. We ended up extending into like a 60-day escrow. Turns out that that previous owner hadn't paid his HOA dues for like three years. So we had to pay them. He made that one of the contingencies. If we really wanted to buy, we had to pay off his HOA dues debt. But I was willing to do it because that property was 
priced so much lower than anything comparable because of the condition it was in that I figured, hey, even with the cost of paying for his past due HOA dues, it was worth it. It was still going to put us at a lower price than any other comparable property. Then after we agreed to pay the HOA dues, turns out there was another lien on the property because his ex-wife had put a lien on the property because he hadn't paid his child support the owner. So we were about to have to owe like an additional 12 grand in this guy's child support that he hadn't paid. And then they found out that they actually were looking at the wrong property and the wrong ex-wife. There was apparently another ex-wife by the same name to another guy by the same name who owned a property somewhere in Northern California. And she had the lien against him. It was all very complicated. In the end, thank God we avoided that because that may have been where I was going to draw the line is paying this guy's child support. Um, So we didn't have to deal with that. But yeah, this escrow was just a nightmare. It kept getting dragged out. Finally, April 30th, 2021, we closed on the property and... I just, this one is truly like mm, chef's kiss. I love the design of this one so much. I felt like that first one that I made into that like modern farmhouse, Joanna Gainsey, AGTV style, that one was me like... It was risky for Big Bear because that's just not the style in the area. So I was like, ooh, this is, you know, I wonder if people are going to like it. But the style itself was not risky. That was like the trend you were seeing everywhere. I still think I did it in a very timeless way. I'm going to pat myself on the back that I still think even though the modern farmhouse trend has died out a little bit, I still think that that one is very timeless. But this one was where I was like willing to take more risks and just let my eclectic fun side of design take over. I took some bold risks here, but I love how this property turned out. So very proud of this one. And yeah, that's how my husband and I, after four years of hosting for other people, this is how I finally actually became an Airbnb owner myself. So it was it was a long journey. Now let's shift gears really quickly and talk about how I became an Airbnb educator, podcast host, course creator, consultant, all of that. So right now I have basically two businesses. I've got my whole Airbnb hosting side of things and then my Airbnb influencer, I guess, side of things. So how that happened was also very organically and by accident. Are we seeing a trend here? So in the summer of 2020, Airbnb approached me and recruited me to become an Airbnb ambassador. I still to this day don't know how they even found me because at this point, I did not have any online social media Airbnb presence. I was not posting anything online really about Airbnb. Like my friends who followed me on Instagram at the time, I would just update on stories like, hey, going to go check on my Airbnb this weekend, but there was no marketing strategy behind it like there is today. So yeah, I don't know how Airbnb found me. I'm guessing maybe they just filtered their host search by people who had maybe multiple listings or had really good booking rates or really high occupancy. I'm still to this day not sure, but the good thing about this, about them recruiting me as an Airbnb ambassador is this is what officially opened my eyes to think like, hey, I... I felt like I'm a pretty good host, but I didn't have any other friends who were hosting, so I didn't have anything to compare it to. When that happened and they approached me to be an ambassador, I officially had this like mindset shift of like, oh, okay, I I know what I'm talking about. I know my stuff. I need to have some confidence here and like I I could teach this to people and I enjoy it, so why not? Also, around the same time, Airbnb introduced a program where they wanted to start offering free webinars to hosts who were interested in starting an Airbnb. And once again, they recruited me to do it. And I still don't know how I got picked because I don't think they had ever seen me public speak. I had done a few Zoom sessions with higher ups in Airbnb just because they would pick my brain about hosting stuff and improvements I would recommend making to the Airbnb platform. Um, But again, I didn't really, I wasn't like prominent on social media as an Airbnb influencer or whatever you want to call it. So I still don't know how they found me, but they asked me if I wanted to start hosting weekly free webinars to brand new hosts. And from that point forward, I started referring all the hosts that I was 
presenting webinars to and working with to get on Airbnb. And that's really when being an Airbnb ambassador kind of took off for me. I just sort of dabbled and started posting a few Airbnb themed reels and those took off really well. I think my first reel I ever posted on the topic of Airbnb shot up to like 30,000 views. The second one I had posted had gotten 50,000 views. So I figured, hey, this seems to be resonating. I'm just going to keep going with this Airbnb niche that I have. And you know, maybe this will help me in my ambassador role as well. So I kept going with it and very quickly grew from 1,000 Instagram followers to 16,000 in about nine months. And yeah, that's kind of where we are today. I, As my follower count was growing, I was getting people reaching out saying, hey, like I love your hosting style and everything you say is resonating. Do you have a course? Do you have more resources? Do you do one-on-one calls? And so I just started adding all of those things to my offerings. And yeah, that's where we're at today. Moral of the story, you guys, everything here has happened by accident Finally, I feel like I do have some strategy behind what I'm doing, and I'm very grateful that I have a direction now and have figured out what I enjoy and what I specialize in and what I am good at, and I've applied some strategy and direction to it, but ultimately, all of this started because my parents had this extra space, we weren't using it as much, and I said, hey, I want to try hosting this for one week. That's how all of this has grown. And I know not everyone out there is listening and says, hey, my parents have a second vacation home that I can just take over managing. But you do have other assets that I maybe didn't have. So don't let that get you down. You might have a realtor in your family that can really help you out. You might have a lawyer in your family or an insurance agent. You might have a professional photographer or an interior designer in your family. We all have different connections, different... Uh, networks, different people that we know, different skill sets on our own. I promise if you are listening to this, that means that you have that same Airbnb itch that I had. And if you have that, you've got some skill, you've got some sort of opportunity. You might not be seeing it, but I encourage you to dig a little bit deeper because you've got something that's going to help you get started here. Whether it's just a creative vision or a willingness to learn and work harder than anyone else, you've got something. And so hone in on what that is. Again, for me, every single thing that has grown to me having basically two businesses now, my Airbnb management and now my education side of things, all of which I do from home and I stay home with my two baby girls, all of that has grown from me having this inkling that I wanted to try doing Airbnb for one week between Christmas and New Year's in December 2017. Things can grow very, very quickly, but you have to just take that first step. And that leads me into the final lesson here that I want to share with you. I just wish I had started sooner. Again, I didn't know what it could have turned into, but looking back now, it... So many doors can open from having an Airbnb. Maybe it'll get you set on the path of being a real estate agent or an interior designer. There's so many things that could come of this. There's things that I can't even think of. You could start an Airbnb cleaning business if you see a need for that in your area or a co-hosting business. Please just take that first step and... I just really want you to have confidence and know that your growth might not be linear. It might be random. New doors are going to open themselves that you haven't even dreamt of or expected. I would have never thought during that Thanksgiving season in 2017 when I had this idea to list us for one week, I would have never thought that, what, four or five years later, I would be sitting at my desk with my two babies napping right now, recording this and having my own podcast It's just so wild to think about. So that is my final takeaway from my hosting journey. My final lesson that I can bestow upon you today, start before you feel ready, run with it, take the setbacks, take the negativity as it comes, push forward because it's still going to be opening new doors for you. Just start, start it. Even if you're feeling really overwhelmed right now on this crazy housing market and you don't know how you're going to get in, 
stick with it, persevere. If you feel that itch to become an Airbnb host, stick with it. There's no other career like this. It's so fulfilling. It's so much fun and you really can make this whatever you want it to be. If you just want to host part-time to offset the cost of you owning your dream vacation home, you can do that. If you want to just host over and over and over again and scale up to some empire you're building, you can do that. If you want to purchase a home and you thought you were just going to be a house flipper, but you made it so nice that now you want to keep it and try renting it, you can do that. You can really make this whatever you want it to be, but none of that's going to happen if you don't just start. Now for this week's Airbnb quick tip. This is one going off of what we just talked about. This is one that I myself made this mistake. I had to learn this the hard way. So if you currently don't have this setting in place, don't feel guilty. Don't beat yourself up. I was there too. I've made this mistake. Hopefully I'm going to teach you this tip before this has had dire consequences for you. If you've already had something like this happen, you're going to understand even more why this setting is so important. And please, please, please go change it in your calendar today. What I want to tell you to do is go into your calendar settings if you have not done this already and go into availability settings and make your Airbnb calendar dates unavailable by default. What does that mean? In your Airbnb calendar, you can either open up your calendar three months in advance, six months in advance, nine months in advance, 12 months in advance, or you can make your dates unavailable by default, meaning that they don't just open based on the availability window you have. You have to manually go in and open them. I know for a lot of hosts, when you're just starting and you're setting up your listing, you're kind of quickly going through these settings. You don't really know what all of them mean or how they're going to look like in practice what they're going to do to your listing. This is one of those that I think it's just, hey, let's just list 12 months out. Why not? I'm probably going to spend a whole other episode or topic doing a deep dive of how far in advance you should have your calendar available. But for right now, I just want to tell you, go make your dates, quote, unavailable by default. Still, if you have your, if you like having your calendar open six months in advance, open it six months in advance right now, but don't set it on the setting where, where it's automatically going to open those six months in advance for you. Here's what I mean by this. Let's break it down by actual dates. If you're listening to this on the day that this is released, it is currently May 18th, 2022. So if you were to have the setting in place that says your calendar is open six months in advance, you would have open through November 18th. Tomorrow on May 19th, suddenly November 19th will open. The following day on May 20th, November 20th will open. And it's just going to keep going like that. Seems convenient. Seems like, hey, what's the harm in just having my calendar open? I have dates constantly opening. I don't have to pay attention to going in and manually doing them. This is why. I just read a post from a woman on Facebook who said, help. I have my calendar open nine months in advance and I just had dates open for the Super Bowl, which my city is hosting and I didn't realize. These people booked basically for a hundred dollars a night. Do you know what she could have gotten for Super Bowl weekend? I mean, I haven't even seen this woman's place. I have no idea what property she's working with. I promise you she could get way, way, way more than $100 a night. Do not let this happen to you. I had this happen to me one year. I had my calendar dates that opened, opened without me realizing. I didn't adjust my prices for 4th of July, which besides the week of Christmas and New Year's, 4th of July is the other week of the year that we make the most money. We count on that weekend so much. We make in that one weekend, 4th of July, what we make in like two months of off season. We rely on that weekend so much to cover so much of our expenses. I cannot lose profitability on that weekend. And one year I stupidly did. People booked it at such a low rate and I still to this day am kicking myself over this mistake. It's so difficult 
to be thinking three months in advance, six months in advance, nine months in advance, 12 months in advance, whatever it is, I really encourage you, please just make your calendar dates unavailable by default. Whether you're using a pricing algorithm, whether you have Airbnb smart pricing, whether you price your place yourself and you just have the base pricing in there that it defaults to, whatever pricing you're using, it doesn't hurt to have to physically be the one to go in and open up those dates. In my case, my calendar is open three months in advance. So what I'll do is I will sit down and open three months worth of dates. Then after two weeks have passed, because my dates aren't opening up on their own automatically, after a couple weeks, I'll only have two and a half months open. So then I'll go in and I will manually open two more weeks, but it forces me to sit down and look at, hey, are there any holiday weekends at this time? Are there any events in my city at this time that I'll be able to charge a premium for? It forces me to sit down and see and project what's coming up and adjust my prices accordingly rather than it sneak up on me without me being prepared and a guest sneaking in and booking those dates at a ridiculously low rate. Please trust me on this. Make your dates unavailable by default. It's such a good idea anyway to be checking on your calendar periodically and just see what upcoming events there are. This is going to force you to do that. And it's going to make you have to be intentional about the dates that you're opening and the price you're setting for those dates. I'm going to drop in the show notes below this episode, a link that will walk you through how to set this setting up. Just to quickly recap, it's going to be under your availability settings in your Airbnb calendar, and you're just going to select the option, make dates unavailable by default. But again, step-by-step instructions will be in the show notes below. Trust me on this. Make this edit to your listing today. It really will give you such peace of mind that you don't have to constantly, every single day, check what new date has opened in your calendar. You can sit down every two weeks once a month, go ahead and just open up those dates and really look at the calendar and make sure that you are happy with the pricing that is in there and that it's not just defaulting to something that you are totally unwilling to accept. This week for the question of the week, I want to thank a follower who DM'd this to me and just straight up said, hey, could you address this on your podcast as one of your questions of the week? I love this question. Thank you for submitting this. And yes, I will address it on the podcast because I don't think it's just you that has this question. I think a ton of people are wondering this. What she asked me was, is it worth getting a hot tub for my Airbnb? I think she had even sent me a screenshot of a poll that she did on her Instagram asking if other hosts felt it was worth it. And if I remember correctly, the results were about split of people saying yes, definitely, or no, it's not worth the hassle and added cost. Honestly, both both of those poll results are correct, depending on your situation. And that's going to be my answer today. For some of those hosts, yes, it's absolutely worth the expense. The amount more that you can charge by having a hot tub is definitely going to make it worthwhile. And for other hosts, it's not going to be worth it. If a hot tub isn't the main draw of their area and people aren't booking for that, it's not going to be worth the hassle. So it really is going to depend on your property, your location, on a bunch of factors. So I can't answer this question for you if a hot tub is worth it for you or not. But what I am going to do is just kind of equip you with some talking points and questions to ask yourself to decide if this is the right move for you. So one thing to consider when it comes to should I get a hot tub or not, I will tell you straight up that of the top most searched for amenities on Airbnb, I believe hot tub is consistently in the top three. A lot of times it's the number one most searched for. So no doubt about it, people are willing to pay more for a hot tub. No doubt about it. If that's one of the top most searched for amenities, people are willing to pay more. What you need to figure out is how much more they are willing to pay how many more nights you can expect to get booked because of that hot tub, and on the flip side, what are the expenses and extra costs associated with that hot tub? How I would do this is go through Airbnb in your area as a guest and start looking at other listings that do have a hot tub. Check how much more, literally just go to their calendar and check how many more nights does it seem that they are booking 
over your place. If it looks like they're filling weekdays consistently and you're struggling to only get weekends, that's a pretty good sign that it could be the hot tub that's that extra selling point. Next, you want to go through and see what the price difference is that they're charging. Find comparable listings to yours. So if your place is a two bed, two bath, don't be comparing it to places that are six bed, three bath. Find something comparable, find another two bed, two bath that does have a hot tub and see how much more they're charging per night. If they're charging $50 more per night and they're booked five nights more than you per month, Add on that $50 rate per night to already the nights you have, plus the additional five nights they're booking on top of yours, and figure out what that number is. If because of that, they're making $1,500 a month more, and you calculate that the expenses of upkeeping your hot tub monthly are, I don't know, let's say $300 then there you go. The math is done for you. If you can make 1500 and you're only having 300 go out, it's definitely worth it. But I can definitely see cases where in certain markets where a hot tub isn't really a draw, you might just be putting one in for no real reason. Maybe it still is a really big draw, but if the area you're in, it's really, really expensive to get good quality people who can service the hot tub. Maybe you're still going to make more money, but if your expenses are going to be just about that same amount, it's probably not worth the headache or hassle. So I cannot make this decision for you. Um, I mean, if you want to, we can definitely schedule a one-on-one call to go over your specific market and your area and look through these competitor listings to see if it's worthwhile. Uh, But for the most part, I think that this is something, if you just look through some comparable listings and do some research on how much it would cost to maintain a hot tub in your area, you can come up with this calculation on your own and decide if it's worthwhile for you or not. So good luck. Uh, I hope that that helped the person who sent this in. Thank you for submitting that question. And for anyone else out there listening in the same boat, I have gotten this question in the past too, so I know she's not the only one wondering this. Good luck. It may take a little bit of research. It may take a little bit of busting out the spreadsheet and doing some calculations, but I know you'll be able to decide and not make a rash decision here, but really think through if the numbers work out for you and if it's something that you absolutely need to take your listing to that next level. All right, you guys. And finally, for this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole? Truly, this one left me speechless. When I read this, I just... I consider myself, at this point, I've hosted over a thousand reservations. I've consulted with hundreds of hosts. I consider myself to be pretty good at coming up with responses to guests. And I feel I'm tactful, professional, succinct, uh, all of it. I, I would pride myself on this. I think this is one of my better skills as a host is my messaging with guests, my correspondence with them. I don't know how I would respond to this because I'm already giving it away. So let me just read the post, okay? Because we still have to decide who the Airbnb hole is and, and who isn't. So here we go. On one of the hosting Facebook groups I'm in, a host posted this, okay? I'm going to read this to you and then they attach some screenshots from their guests. So let me read what the host said first and then we'll get into the guests' messages. And we're going to call this host Joey. Joey said, How would you respond? Guest booked for six days. Guest complained about two moths. I live a few apartments down. Went by and didn't see any moths. Left guest with a can of Raid. 30 minutes later, she says there is one more moth. I'm pretty sure she is making this up. Remember, I went to the apartment and looked because she said that moths were flying and she didn't like bugs. So I went by and didn't see any. She told me that she killed the two moths. Please help. And here are the attached messages from the guest. She says, how would you like to resolve this situation? I asked for assistance to have your team go through the apartment to check to see if there were other moths. Two big moths is a lot to deal with. I received assurance that there weren't any other additional moths. Now there's a third one flying around. We can't be sure there aren't any others at this point. This is very disheartening. With at least three moths flying around the apartment, two dead at this point, I do not feel comfortable sleeping here. Assistance would look like the following. I'd like a clean sweep of the apartment done tomorrow. No more bugs. 
Since this has never happened before, it should be relatively concerning that all of a sudden there are at least three moths in the apartment. I'd like to ensure there aren't any nests. Once a proper clean sweep is performed, I'm fine with staying. If you are not interested in providing the above, let me know and we can discuss me paying for the time slash night I've stayed here. Take it in. Take a deep breath. I know any other hosts listening to that are... I know your blood pressure is up right now. I know it. I know your heart rate is is just through the roof. You guys, I do not know what I would respond to this woman. And again, I've really seen it all. I have had a lot of crazy guests to respond to, but just the audacity with which she's ready. So, okay, let, let's just get this out of the way already. Um, host is not the asshole. The guest is. I'm sorry. I mean the Airbnb hole. The guest is 100% the Airbnb hole moths moths you guys this is over moths if she had said roaches or rats that would be a very very different story but this is over moths i also i don't know am i pronouncing this correctly is it moths or moths i'm just gonna go with whatever feels natural but okay i i went ahead and i did a quick little google search here because i'm like am i missing something are moths harmful I always thought moths are pretty innocent, are they not? I did a quick Google search here just to make sure that I'm not missing something obvious. I googled, are moths harmful? Moths are not dangerous to humans. Apart from the fact that adult moths do not bite, contain venom, have poisonous coatings, or have hazard or are hazardous when accidentally ingested, moths are harmless to humans. The end. What? What? Here. Further reading, upon further reading, moths aren't terribly dangerous household pests. In fact, many of them can be quite pretty or fun to watch as they fly seemingly erratically around well-lit areas of your home. They are part of the Lepidoptera, Lepidoptera order of insects, the same one that contains butterflies. This woman is freaking out over butterflies. What? I just... I, I guess, you know what? I take it back. I do know what I would respond to her. I would probably screenshot this from Google and just send that to her and literally not respond to anything else. That's what I would do. I would just take the screenshot, send it to her and not say anything else. End of story. Woman, you are afraid of butterflies. I, I don't know how to help you beyond that. Um, please stop traveling to Airbnbs and harassing hosts. Uh, we don't want to host you and it doesn't sound like you're having a pleasant time either. Just make everyone happier and leave the platform, please. And thank you. The one mistake I think that the host did make here, he's still not the Airbnb hole by any means, but the one mistake that I think he did make here is just indulging in her delusion in the first place and coming over to check on the first two moths that she reported, I think in that moment he should have recognized the crazy and seen if she's freaking out over moths, like I cannot help her. This guest is beyond help. Um, I personally would not have come over for that. I would not have responded to that. Um, I would have just literally not not made it an issue. This is such a non-issue. This is not an issue. So that is the, that's the one thing is just that by even coming over and addressing this at all and making it seem like it's something he had to stop by for, it's kind of indulging in her in her crazy. That's the one thing I would fault him for. But in the end, this host is, I'm so sorry he had to deal with this. Please rate her accordingly. And by that, I mean like one star review, one star review, because this is scam city right here. Um, please rate her accordingly. And I'm so sorry that this host has to deal with this. Um, and I mean, let's just, let's just like pray for this woman because she's scared of butterflies. And I, that is, that's a tough life. So yeah, my condolences. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye.